Welcome to Near Week Audio, a collection of podcasts and Twitter spaces produced and curated by Near Week, the number one news and community platform for the Near Protocol and the Aurora ecosystem. At nearweek.com slash podcasts, you can find every interesting audio piece from the community in one place. We curate content on topics such as DeFi, NFTs, gaming, DAOs, community hangouts, and more. Basically, we got you covered near fam. And without further ado, let's dig in. Hello, hello. How's it going? Hey, Cameron. Hey, Cameron. It's going well. Um, we're just waiting for Ozymandias to join. How about yourself? How's it going? Good. Just woke up. Uh, uh, it's in San Francisco right now. It's about 8, 8 a.m. Getting ready for a, a big day, long day. So, you know, same old, same old. Sounds good. What's on the schedule today? Uh, going to, well, one, have a near hacks SF that we're prepping for. So trying to get all that work done by the end of the day. Um, then going to lunch with a bunch of students from uh, blockchain at Berkeley, which is cool. And then uh, we run a meetup tonight. So we'll be running uh, DAOs for social good in downtown San Francisco. Trying to get the community together. Um, IRL, because, you know, that's what, that's what the people want. So, just doing what the people want. What about you? What's up, everyone? Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thanks for doxing me, bro. No worries. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I doxed you, no? <laughs> yeah, it's all good. How's everyone doing? What's up, Cameron? Hey, hey. Doing good. Doing good. Just Every day. Him. Yeah, every day in this industry, I kind of wish I was more anonymous, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when you go bare, man. That's that's when you want to be an anon. Yeah, or when, you know, people that you work with are doing billion-dollar frauds. That's shady yeah. stuff. Yeah, like it's so, so nutty. Oh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't work with FBS. Hold on, hold on, hold on, pause. Yeah. Okay. Well, just look at our hackathons. <laughs> like, it's uh, no bueno. Hey, right, f- f- you're breaking up, chat. <laughs> let's let's just do a full a full disclosure on that. We don't. Uh, that was one time, one time where we took fiat, a precious fiat from ftx ventures like that that was it and I, my only regret is that we didn't take more money yeah yeah well my regret is uh i guess they're they're poor management but that's actually not my regret to have so yeah nevertheless um here we are how you doing michael coming across doing all right projects. Yeah, we're we're looking around the space. I think like the dust is finally settling, and um, people are just kind of realizing what happened. And frankly, I think crypto is going through a bit of like an identity reckoning, right? Where it's like a lot of LARPs are getting kind of shaken out, and DeFi is entrenching. Um, and there's like a weird, like weird um, 
like optimism about the long-term future, but like a very demented sadness about the current state. And it kind of makes for a very bizarre day to day. I don't know if you feel that too, but it's just weird. Oh yeah. No, I feel it. Um, I, I, we just need to kind of change the narrative a bit. Um, I think really focusing on the open web and you know what, what it means to own your money data and governance is the is the ultimate thing and like you know what are the barriers of, of that happening um i think liquidity is just one it's, it's one of many um but yeah i'd love to kind of um, if, with all the meetups that we run and stuff like we're done talking about the bullshit like i'm i'm not i'm not interested in you know how to launch uh an nft marketplace right now um not saying that that's total bullshit it's just like speculative for the most part you know, I really just want to focus on, you know, things that really are innovative, like cross shard liquidity aggregation, or, you know, permission networks within permissionless networks that, you know, unlock all these other spaces or more like, you know, low level, low level stuff. And I don't care if everyone's not interested. I just want the right people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I want to also, I feel like Cameron, you would you give a good um, answer to this, but like, <laughs> It's funny, we've been talking to a fair, a fair number of funds, like, and usually when we talk to them, we ask them, like, you know, what was your exposure to FTX, and uh, how are you looking at the near ecosystem relative to other ecosystems, and kind of what's your thesis going forward on this, and it's really funny how mixed it's been, like, we've had some say, oh, they missed their moment, and, you know, when Sui comes out and when these other L1s come out, like, there's going to be a new shiny kid on the block, and they're basically kind of going to get eos or tezos like, into the next market. And then you have others that are like, oh, no, we have a liquid token fund, and we're going to be buying, you know, and bidding hard these next couple months, and, you know, things are looking good. I think you would have a good perspective of, like, if that question, if someone, if you were in that conversation, what yeah. would you tell someone like level-headed about how to look at, you know, the coming couple months to years in near eco and what are the things that we should either be worried about or the things that are like reassuring? Yeah. I mean, like there's actual innovation happening in near. It's not the same copy paste AMM decks across every one Like we're actually doing innovative shit that is going to be relevant for everyone else. Like any other blockchain that gets big enough will have to shard at some point. Um, I mean, that's, I guess, what, like, you know, Sui and Aptos say that it's not going to happen. But Solana said it's not going to happen until, well, they're now discussing about L2s and all this other shit. And so when you have L2s, you, you have asynchronous environments. And so you're going to need to do things like, you know, have asynchronous transactions across shards. I think that's like the biggest issue. Um, to be honest, like that is the, the hardest thing that will impact user experience, um, like the lack of atomicness across cross shard transactions. Um, now, when it comes to VCs, to be frank, most of them have no freaking idea what they're talking about. They just they just buy a shiny token. They just buy the, yeah, kind of what you're getting at the next shiny thing on the block, and they have no idea what actually goes into building an ecosystem, everything that it requires, um, all the actual innovation that need, the pro like actual development that needs to be done, uh, the importance of having a community that's not so mercenary, um, you know, having a community that actually recognizes the value add of certain blockchains. 
Um, I know for a fact, I know the Aptos community quite well. It's a bunch of mercenaries. Uh, people are just there to, you know, try to create the first decks that raises X money to then dump on the retail. It's like, it's the same old, same old. Um, and so having the, the people involved that actually want the open web, I think is such a moat uh, that other, only other ecosystem that really has that is Ethereum. And so but what I'm focused on is how do we get more people like that? How do we get the people who actually want the decentralized internet? Because um, everyone else can go fuck themselves, to be honest, in my eyes. And I guess like, kind of to piggyback on that, something something that kind of always goes to us is, you know, Nier was very smart about their raises at the beginning of this year, right? Um, and for, first of all, I just want to kind of take a, a, a moment to step back and like realize no, not very many people, at least as of, you know, March or April of this year, were expecting things to go the way they went, right? Like if you would have told someone, I think they joke about like the bingo cards, if you would have told someone, uh, you know, Terra's going to nuke to zero, 3AC is going to go uh, belly up, and FTX is going to nuke as well. I don't think anyone would have predicted that would have happened as of, you know, February, March of this year, right? Everyone was yeah. talking super cycle. Everyone was talking 100K Bitcoin people were gearing up for the, for, you know, basically a, a, a takeover where web three starts to go main, mainstream. Um, now that being said, near foundation was really smart and, you know, credit, I think it's primarily yes. And, but perhaps others who are, who are pioneering this in when they did their, their big raise of, it was a 150 million round in January and then a $350 million round in March or April, I believe $500 million total cash, um, from from my understanding, they're still holding the bulk of that in cash, and they're just kind of sitting tight with in the bear market. What does that mean, like you know, relative to where some of these other foundations are, like Avalanche and especially Solana after FTX? Like, if I'm sitting on the outside and I'm like, what the like, what the hell's happening in this space? Everything's nuking, everything's failing. Does it matter if a foundation has that much money? What should the foundation be doing with that money? Like, if I kind of don't know anything about this, what would you say is like the way to approach and understand that positioning for Nier? Yeah, just to be clear, this is the opinion of me personally, not the opinion of the Nier Foundation. I'm not a yeah. part of those discussions. I just want to make that crystal clear. Um, and um, yeah, I think that this is a huge advantage. Um, it's actually, I think, 600 million, to be honest. So um, we have a ton of, you know, cash on hand, ready to deploy to um, grow the ecosystem. I mean, that's really what it takes. We're building a new economy. Like we need to build a new economy. You need not only the proper like uh, skill, like talent pipelines, but also, you know, the referral programs and the grants are one thing that are quite controversial in not just the near foundation, but in every other foundation that I've worked with and talked to um, a lot of foundations don't even do grants. A lot of foundations do direct investments. And so um, really people, what people need to understand is like how much money 600 million really is. Um, Cause you know, we, we throw these numbers around like it's nothing, but humans have a really hard time understanding the difference between like, you know, a million and a billion. Um, they just think it's like an M and a B, but when you put the, you know, stack the $1 on top of each other, uh, it's very, very different. And the amount of stuff that you can do with $600 million is insane. And so, um, so, so basically just to be real, real quick, Aaron, just to be yeah. like super direct here, are you confident 
with this funds, Nier will remain relevant for the coming three to five years. And they're not going to get Tezos and they're not going to get EOS, meaning you're just going to have, you know, a bunch of long-term holders, uh, high stake rate, and just nothing happening on chain. Uh, yeah, I'm confident. Um, and the reason why is because uh, this technology actually is different and can tangibly abstract blockchain, shitty blockchain experience away from end users. Like the sweat coin thing was to me was a pilot. It was a pilot that you can have a web two database that has, you know, a hundred million downloads historically and give people the option to exit to web three if they want to now and try to decrease that, that, that friction from web two to web three as much as possible. Um, I don't think, you know, billions of people are going to be entering the open web by downloading a Chrome extension wallet. I don't think that they'll be doing this by, uh, you know, they, they need to use an app that they actually want to gain value from and then have the option to exit to Web3. And we proved that, you know, Nier can do that pretty seamlessly with Sweatcoin. Now, that to me is a, it's a pilot. It's a case study. This is, this is something that needs to continuously be expanded. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the only way I think the open web's really going to work. It's, uh, and Nier can do it. So really what that money in my eyes should go towards is, uh, you know, bottom up, like community growth. We hear that a lot, but like tangibly what that means is uh, office space in key cities for the ecosystem work out of, uh, frequent hackathons, uh, ambassador programs that reward people for actually le learning what, how to talk about Nier properly and uh, scaling the, the, the boots on the ground ecosystem. Uh, I'd love to see, you know, some film philanthropic efforts with all of that, you know, try to make sure that like people in emerging economies, because a lot of these people, you know, we talk about 8 billion people trying to get a billion people to, you know, web three, the vast majority of those people are likely going to be coming from uh, emerging economies. So making sure that like we have the proper, you know, fiat on ramp solutions and custody solutions and all that jazz in between. Um, I think we need to really increase the amount of protocol contributions from the ecosystem so, you know, the Pagoda put out their, uh, a protocol roadmap and I actually got dinner last night with, uh, with Bowen Wang, uh, had a protocol at Pagoda. Shard and, master. Yeah. And, um, we were talking just about like, how do we, you know, kind of increase more community contribution when it comes to low level protocol development. And that takes time. It takes a lot of the right people to see these as things that they can contribute to. And so how do we get the foundation to try to incentivize the right type of development for that type of contribution? So, you know, what does this mean? It means funding research conferences. It means funding, you know, uh, PhDs to write papers. And it's like this is an investment that retail market doesn't recognize as important because they really just have no idea the, the basics of how to build a zero knowledge team and what type of talent needs to go into that. And so when it comes to money, like we have money to do all this. It just really matters on how do we like strategically spend it. Okay. So here, here's a, here's another direct question for you. Um, as the bear swallows us up and as everyone gets depressed and sad with, you know, prices tanking and more liquidations coming um, in the next six to 12 months, what are going to be, positive indicators for the ecosystem at large so what should people look for that says this 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 
things are happening here that is going to be indicative signs of success in the future, especially for the next market. And what are bear signs that are like, yeah, they're fucking this up and we should probably start looking elsewhere in your opinion, next six to 12 months. Uh, First thing is like better onboarding experiences. So key management, I think logging in is the killer app of web three. sounds really boring, but you know, actual innovation around key management, one thing. Uh, Again, how do we decrease the friction between web two to web three, give people the option to exit instead of forcing exit. Um, That's one. Two is, you know, ability to actually ship the protocol roadmap. You know, we, you talk about EOS, we talk about other chains that, like, honestly just haven't been able to ship what they say they're going to ship. And this this team has, like, the community has shipped everything that they say they're going to ship. Like, that is insane when we're talking about the intersection of cryptography, distributed systems, and economics and stuff. Like, this, that's, that's unheard of. So that's another thing. Uh, the third one would be uh, specifically around real-world use cases. Um, so when we talk about real-world use cases, um, I really boil it down to, like, my thesis is, like, you need key management to onboard the users, you need the liquidity to actually facilitate the economy, you need strong NFT infrastructure to kind of just, like, verify ownership, you need, you know, the real-world use cases being, like, decentralized science, AI, um, the, the uh, refi, um, things that actually can bridge this to you know provide services so it's not like people are buying crypto just to make money they're buying crypto to actually do things and so um i think focusing on that is really important and being laser focused on one of those uh proving out success because really what those real world use case engines those engines are relatively composable so like what i mean by that is like if you have a uh, refi project or no sorry a decide project that funds you know ai research like that can very easily be any other type of research it could very easily be so my, my point here is like have wins in real world adoption i think sweatcoin is a pilot for all of this um and then the last thing is uh, serious strides forward for with privacy um so privacy is a prerequisite to mass adoption um, it is not crypto. We are going to be building a uh, dystopia if we don't have verifiable privacy programmed into the layer one or have an option for everyone to have verifiable privacy. Um, on that topic, or not on that topic, but uh, I guess on this tangent of you said some positive things, some necessary things. What is a narrative that you think is absolutely trash, irrelevant, that should not be given credit going into this market? What, what do you think uh, people are mistakenly thinking or mistakenly focusing on that doesn't actually matter for the long term and that no one's going to remember in two years? A DeFi TVL or like volume on NFT marketplaces. It's just the vanity metrics that are so easy to fake. Like it's so easy to fake. And you know what? They have been called out for being fake on Sol- like a lot of projects in Solana. Like it's just vanity. So yeah. yeah. Vanity metrics. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. Still in the build up phase, you know, what do you think in terms of presence in the L1 landscape? Um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Hasib from Dragonfly. He loves to use the analogies of L1s as cities, right? He often refers to near as San Francisco, um, Solana as LA, Avalanche as Chicago and Ethereum as New York. And he thinks that every, L1 has its own unique culture that is kind of indicative of the type of city it is. Um, 
what looking at the L1 landscape, so kind of doing a little bit of competitive analysis, we talked about this before. Are you confident in the brand of Nier? Does Nier need to do a better job marketing? Does Nier need to do a better job of um, getting out to the crypto natives of who they are and what they mean? Or, you know, what can they, what should they be doing uh, in line with other L1s in this market? Yeah, I mean, I think focusing on, uh, you know, I think the, the, the out without limits thing is neat. Um, I don't think it's really that compelling to like bring people from, you know, other ecosystems to, to near. Um, and the reason why I say that is because it doesn't really encompass like everything that is possible on near, like it doesn't really give examples. So um, when people talk about like, you know, let's say account abstraction, everyone in the Ethereum community is, you know, raving about account abstraction, how there needs to be an EIP for account abstraction at the L1. Like that's been built in near since day one. Like we just need to talk about what actually makes near different on a technical level to attract the technical founders and developers. Um, the users will come in my eyes, if you attract the right founders. Um, so like with Banyan, my target market is not end users. My target market are founders and developers. We convince them that Nears can provide all of these affordances for you know key management, for developer experience, for interoperability, and all this other stuff. And then they build apps that abstract the blockchain experience away from end users. So we actually have uh, you know a competitive edge for attracting those users to then drive volume to then drive you know everything up. So um, what I would say is just like focusing more on really the open web. Um, I love how near, you know, it has to decentralize linearly with demand. So like as more demand comes to the network, you need more shards, more shards equals more validators. Like that is a, to me, a something that we need to be kind of screaming from the rooftops for those who are, you know, trying to, who, who value decentralization. Um, And so in terms of the narrative, I would really be focusing it back on like the open internet and like, what are all the missing components? Like what are all the prerequisites that are limiting people from owning their money, data and governance? Not necessarily like, Hey, come launch your NFT project and pump volume and then dump on retail. Um, like that, that's short-sighted. Um, yes, it drives hype. It could drive token price people, you know, getting people rich is kind of important in this industry to kind of build that community. What's really interesting here is that, you know, Nier has gone down tremendously the price. And so I think we have a significant opportunity to get the right people involved because those right people who get involved in early ecosystems, if the ecosystem goes up, the price of those tokens increase. Those are the people who later become the angel investors. Those are the people who donate to the the open source projects that, you know, via a Gitcoin like platform, like that really matters. We have the opportunity here to, actually change, you know, empower people, specifically historically disenfranchised people with the ability to, 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 to have generational wealth and how that level of impact, especially in emerging economies, is, is unfathomable, really. And so um, when it comes to the narrative, I really think leaning into the open web more and like really being real about what are the prerequisites of it is important. And so in saying, hey, this is where we are now. This is where we think we got to go. What do you like in getting the community involved? So if I can focus on like three words for the brand, it would be um, well, like easy to use, like good, easy to use, easy to build with and 
uh, and yeah, you can pretty much like build, build and like web two to web three. I don't know. Those are like the general themes uh, that I would focus on. But then again, I'm not a marketer. I'm focused on just like building the developer and founder community. Yeah, well, I feel like what you're saying is probably based off of, you know, the hundreds of hours of experience that you do have talking to people who are like, what is this whole thing and why does it matter? So I think there definitely is value in, in that perspective because it's coming straight from the source. Um, just to do a quick recap, and then I want to open up the floor because I think AGT jumped on to say some stuff. Um, but uh, just to do a quick recap, I mean, it's early for Nier. It's two years old. Um we're going through a bear right now. Most of the growth that we've seen has been a lot of hype and mirrors and mercenary activity. Um, and, and there seems to be a pretty open play in over the next two or three years to emerge as the dominant kind of uh, basis for a new, a new layer of the internet, which as we know from the previous layer of the internet, the wealth creation is absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, just opening this up now, AGT or anyone else who wants to say something, feel free to tune in or ask a question, give your hot take, share what's pissing you off, what's making you happy, how you're dealing with the bear, what you're hopeful about in year four. Well, I think uh, Cameron kind of captures perfectly how near is superior, but my issue is uh, when I go to these random spaces and I try to prop and support near i always have a hard time or they're just better because they have all the best aspects of the other l1s and that doesn't convince people so cameron what would be the pitch how should i be pitching near to the audiences i mean i think it's really who is the audience and um if it is a bunch of retail you know if they're not builders and they're not you know trying to they're, if they're trying to you know use these apps it's about uh being able to be seamlessly onboarded, like, you know, having human readable accounts, being able to like, you know, change your keys. And most people don't really care about that. They just want like, you know, like a lot of liquidity or they just want the token price to go up. Um, and so I would start with like, who is the audience? Um, and the next thing, uh, yeah, I guess who is this audience? It would be helpful. For me to know. Okay. How about for ETH Maxi, how to pitch it to the ETH Maxi and a Bitcoin Maxi? Oh, yeah. So for ETH maxis, um, one, you know, a lot of them care about decentralization. So um, that's that's important. So what I was highlighting earlier about uh, how NIRS kind of has to decentralize linearly with demand, i.e., you know, more demand needs to come to the network because some app gets traction. Um, there's more shards that need to be created. More validators need to be, you know, supporting that, validating those shards. Um, it literally has to decentralize with demand. So that is kind of covers that base when they say near centralized. Um, the second thing is with like account abstraction. Uh, so right now on Ethereum, like all the wallets are like EOA wallets. So it's just a public key and a private key on all you're able to do is sign transactions. So imagine if every single wallet was a smart contract itself where, you know, there are really two projects on Ethereum that do this. One is called Argent and one is called Gnosis. Gnosis raised $100 million to build out an ecosystem around this concept and then acquired XDAI, which is a sidechain to kind of like prove out a lot of this stuff. This is built into Nier already. You know, these things that Ethereum is looking to solve are already here today. And people talk about EVM compatibility. I'm like, yeah, great. We're EVM compatible. You know, these gigabrains that meet at, in Aurora built, rewrote the entire Ethereum virtual machine in Rust on here as one giant smart contract so you can take your solidity code and just deploy it 
like you don't even benefit from the you know theoretically hundred thousand transactions per second and one to two second block finality and all the stuff that the ethereum changes can't offer right now and then they talk about roll-ups and arbitrum and optimism like great you're still dealing with asynchronous environments on near you can move liquidity across shards in in one transaction that's incredible like you go to ref finance right now like we need to talk about this more like real innovation and so they might be like oh well the liquidity and you'd be like well yeah that, that's okay like we're it, liquidity you know comes with real like applications that people want to use so come and come and build you can build in solidity you can build in javascript you can build in rust like the level of optionality here is is unmatched so um and they're like okay well, well i'll check it out and then it's really up to the community to follow up with them hey here's a wallet you know i don't know if you guys have seen this is still pretty new but the uh here wallet team uh they're pretty amazing they just built this uh, it's called like the app clips if you have an iphone you're able to scan this QR code and they made their wallet less than 10 megabytes. So you're able just to like scan an, oh, a QR code and it downloads a wallet on your phone and app that uh, you're able to then, because what it uses is it uses your device fingerprint as a, uh, not necessarily your private key, but as a thing to prevent civil attacks to make you like verifiably human. Um, and you're now able to just create a new wallet in less than, I'd say, 10, 15 seconds. Human readable. ENS built in the L1. Gnosis safe built in the L1. By economy, paying gas for others, if we're trying to like onboard billions of people, no one's going to be clicking I approve transaction to play the game that they want to play. They're going to just play their game, and someone's going to be paying for that gas. And so instead of, or another one, like I can go on and on, but like for Ethereum community like i talk to them all the time like and that came from the ethereum community and so um and i love ethereum i want ethereum to succeed what i don't love are these l2s that claim to be ethereum you know support like supporting ethereum but really they're just some side chain with their own set of validators and multi-sig bridge and the whole bit like that's bullshit to me but um i love ethereum and that's where i think like you know we really jive with the ethereum community in that way so why they're not coming over um it's liquidity one um and then two awareness so a lot of people just don't even know what aurora is they think aurora isn't near aurora is near it's in the twitter handle um and so they just don't know one it's an awareness problem especially in the united states where a lot of uh you know well-recognized ethereum community is um we have not put the Near Foundation has not put really very, very, very little resources into U.S. growth until about three months ago. Um, and so and part of the reason why is we were never listed in the United States until, well, not that long ago. And so we've been so focused on scaling internationally because just it's such a, so, so much more straightforward. Um, and we've been able to get to a top, top 20 coin at one point without the United States. Like, that is fucking insane. U.S. is the largest capital market in the world, and we just pretty much ignored it for a long time. Now that's changing, and now we have the institutional custodians and the backing and the money and the EVM compatibility and the private shards and all this other stuff. So people don't recognize, like, how long it takes to try to, like, to actually build a decentralized internet. <laughs> and uh, two years is really impressive. Like, people got to back the fuck up. 
Um, they just expect, and to be honest, I don't even know if everyone has all these empty promises that never get fulfilled in this space. Like we actually ship um, what we say we're going to ship. You know, like I wish them the best, but like Aptos and Sui and these other different, these different uh, new L1s popping up, like it's really hard to build an L1 just to get institutional custody, you know, approved by like the BitGo's and the Coppers and those organizations takes around six months and a lot of money. So people just have no idea like what they're really getting into. And a lot of it is a money grab. So I don't know. I can go on and on and on. Like it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to me, but. I hope that answered your question. I know that was very long winded. No, thank you. That was excellent. Yeah, thank you, Cameron. I think it also leads me to ask the question, like, how much of this is, like, what we're seeing on other chains with massive growth is a is a marketing game? Is the marketing game a long game? Is that only a short run? Like, where do you see us, you know, from a near perspective, where should we position ourselves marketing-wise? I, I must say I'm really impressed with what you guys are doing with Banyan currently, um, especially with all the physical meetups and the hackathons and that way actually trying to build that community, bring people together, have them meet each other over and over again, bond over technology, bond over projects they're building on. So that's one thing, right? Like the community, but that takes time. We need to build that. So from the marketing perspective, how should we play this? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's, it's about tangible support. Um, and, you know, we, I have ideas on, like, how to actually provide support at scale and having, like, really solid filtering mechanisms of, like, what to support and what not to support. Um, so when it comes to marketing, like, word of mouth is, is always the best. And so if people, if we can actually support people in ways that, you know, change their, their business and they tell their friends, hey, like, you know, I started building on near, I got a small grant. Was, I had the ability to go to office hours every day to get technical support for what I'm building. I learned Rust. It, was, it wasn't as hard as I thought. Um, then I got added to this chat and someone reached out to me to make it an angel. They loved what I was building because it actually solved a problem. And then they gave me an angel investment or seed investment. And now I'm going to be part of this accelerator that is going to, you know, introduce me to XYZ partners. Like it's pretty much just like, actually providing the support that they need in order to succeed and having them tell their friends and actually have them succeed. Like that to me is what good marketing would be highlighting. Um, because otherwise it really is just like, you know, Oh, pump, pump this, pump this brand. And you know, that works in bull markets. Like it absolutely works. Like sponsoring Lollapalooza or Coachella or something like that to get the name out there. It's great. Like we can see a, a, a pump in the market, but that's that's short. That's short lived. To me, it's not worth the money. I'd much I'd much prefer to make investments into incubators to tangibly support the projects within your ecosystem and create the channels of support for those incubators. Because I know those projects. I know what they need. I know they need you know uh, auditors and uh, recruits and web developers if they don't have them on their team or smart contract engineers like actually supporting the projects and highlighting 
the marketing should be on how successful the projects are building on near. Because I think of near like HTTPS and Web3. It's just a protocol that honestly no one really should give a sh- like a lot of shits about unless you're the founder or developer. Um, and the reason why is because most people don't care about HTTPS, like retail. They just want their website to be secure. That's what Near does for decentralized apps. They just make sure that your app is secure, scalable, and easy to use. Now, um, granted, there's a token involved with all of this, and that change over financialization of everything, I think, could be a good thing for building community, but also a, a pretty detrimental thing. Um, as we've kind of seen, like, I actually would rather take a playbook out of, like, the Cosmos ecosystem, like a page. Um, and the reason why is because, like, Adam has not been able to accrue an incredible amount of value just until recently around discussions around Adam 2.0. But yet they've been able to attract, like, really good people who care about decentralization. And so, like, I don't think we necessarily need this, like, super insane marketing this like traditional marketing arm where we're like plastering billboards on the wall. No, like that should be those, those apps on those billboards should be the applications building on top of near, not near itself. Cause you know, if, if, if near is the HTTPS of web three, then really what we should be highlighting is what comes after the WWW. Like that is the app. That is what the, that the user is interfacing with. And hopefully near can be abstracted away. And so when it comes to marketing, I'd be marketing to developers and founders interested in, in, you know, the people actually gaining mass adoption, like those projects and supporting them with very clear channels of support. Now that does not mean that the near foundation or these channels of support will build your project for you. These are, these should be really hard to get into or like the barrier of entry shouldn't be super low. We should be, you know, pretty damn uh, like, I don't want to say exclusive, but like people only the best. Like we, there's plenty of people out there. 11,000 people were just let go from Facebook last week and 10,000 from Amazon. How many of these people would love a grant from the Near Foundation? I'd assume all of them. And so, you know, we need to be very diligent with who we kind of get involved in. Also, not just get involved in the ecosystem, but what I, what I mean by get involved is like, who are we giving money to? Um, because money is not cheap right now. The, the economy is likely to continue crashing. Um, and we have this opportunity to, you know, hire the best. So I think it boils down to talent and support and that's what we should be marketing. And, and in terms of accessibility, I guess also from the whole incubation side of things, right? How do we set up systems that are accessible and don't scare away people? And I'm thinking here as the ecosystem grows as well, we get even more decentralized um, ecosystem gets bigger and bigger still in need of funding, right? Like how do we come up with a system, whether it's regional hubs, um, whether it's uh, incubators all over the world, um, whether it's a community run investment DAOs, like what are the tools you think, one of the tools, the organizations that we are not missing, but to some degree need to get in place before it, it, it really takes off in that sense. Yeah, I, and this is what we're we're gonna slowly do. I mean, uh, one, it's not confirmed, but um, yeah, I think the ecosystem needs to support itself as well. Like, I'd love to see more uh, syndicates of like angel investors in the new ecosystem. Um, so, yeah, I think like I, I'd like to see more sort of like bottom up, like actual 
coordination between early near people to support the ecosystem, like financially. Like, because if people made a lot of money in near, like they're incentivized to have near continuously grow. And so, like, those people should be working together to support invest specifically in early stage, high potential near projects. Um, so that's one. Um, two, yeah, the regional hub approach, I think, is the right approach. Um, yet there needs to be, like, I don't want the foundation just like king make. And even in the United States, like, I'm talking against my interests. Like, if I was completely going, like, along with my interests, I'd be like, oh, only foundation only give me money to help scale near the United States. Hell no. There's no way that, you know, one team can scale across the entire U.S. Like, we need different hubs in every key city. Like, I want, like, this is where I think the incubators really matter. It's like, because every regional hub right now kind of has, like, this, like, incubator thing or product studio. Like, guys, like, we need to think much bigger than that if this is what we, you know, if we're trying to scale the open internet. Like, we need it. We're, we got to place ourselves in the mindset of competing with, like, Disney and Amazon, not, like, Solana and Polygon. And so it's a totally different game. So I want like 10 incubators in the United States. I want an incubator in every important city. And so, um, and then VC funds that compete against each other to get the best deal flow. And, you know, the foundation can, can, can support the projects, uh, certain projects, or really it's not even about supporting projects. I think the foundation should be supporting supporters of, of projects because it's almost impossible. Like I, was the only BD person at the NF for over a year. It's crazy shit. Um, and, you know, onboarding like hundreds of projects in your ecosystem. There is no way that we're able to support all of them. It's impossible. It's just too much. So we need to either scale out a team internally, which I don't think that that is, it is a short-term solution, but longer term, it's about creating an ecosystem that can support itself. And so working towards that's the goal. Yeah, and I think also on that point, I think what we're what we're struggling with right now, at least in terms of angel investors and people in the ecosystem who made a lot of money looking at the price, right? Like that's where we're still behind and it's based like Ethereum, right? Like because we had that we were on we were on the way with the bull run. Um, people thought it was gonna go on forever. I'm not sure if people managed to sell or not. But I think that also drained a lot of the liquidity that people would have been able to put aside for actually investing in projects now, right? Because now is the time to build, right? Yeah, I mean, even if it's not investing, like even investing in time, like if you're a senior Rust developer, you can review an important project's code. Like it doesn't even need to be, and you can get some equity or some sort of like future tokens for that or something. Like, yes, I agree. A lot of people absolutely got fucked by the price me being one of them um but you know i'm still down to support projects in, in other ways like it, even if it, and there are people who did make money and there are people who did get out so it really does matter on just like you know in terms of that bottom-up funding mechanism uh, you know the foundation you know i might we're gonna we're gonna try to experiment with some stuff not the foundation banyan because i'm leaving the foundation um because i really do want to focus more on like the ecosystem and not have to like you know, complete certain OKRs uh, every quarter by the foundation. Because these things are much longer term. Like, we run an event, we run a hackathon. You know, a team that comes out at hackathon is just, like, one tiny line item of, like, 
benefit to the ecosystem. But fast forward four months, like they're going to, I'm confident your wallet is going to be one of the top wallets on near. It came out of one of our hackathons. Like there's a lot of projects that actually ship to mainnet and that shit takes a long time. And so the foundation, because it's just a traditional organization, it's really hard to uh, develop these referral models, or not referral, but like, think of it like uh, commission models. What is value? How do you bring value to the ecosystem? How should that value creation be rewarded? Well, it's really hard because the timelines are so long. Um, like, if, even if I brought over, like, you know, the best decks, I brought Mango Market from, or uh, Solon from Solana to Nier, and, you know, they deploy on Nier, TVL goes 100 million crazy stuff, cool, next day it gets hacked. How do you reward me? It's really hard. Um, so these referral mechanisms are um, super underdeveloped in the space generally. Um, and we're going to need those in order to con- like kind of continue decentralizing or forego commission altogether. Uh, because incentive models really are what drive, like, you know, drives Web2. Why do you think all the, you know, salespeople in Web2 make make a lot of money? It's because they add a lot of value. And the, the value coming in is literally dollars. Like, dollars coming into the organization, not, like, token price going up for one of a thousand reasons. So do we need, so we somehow need a platform that can facilitate that connection between projects looking for let's say freelance work to get done and then people taking on those tasks and by giving them their workforce they then obtain uh tokens or you know uh, future warrant exercises or like are there any tools that would be able to accommodate this growth and bring it to the people in itself like sort of a marketplace or what are your thoughts on that yeah um i call it the human amm the human or the ham for short. Um, uh, no, the, uh, the goal is um, to really identify people's skills and interests and connect them to opportunities that match those skills and interests. And there's a lot of attempts in this. Um, and it really does kind of play along the lines of like kind of redefining value and what are someone's goals in life and all that stuff. So um, I think that, yeah, some, some matchmaking mechanism is important. Um, you know, I've been working on this actually before joining the Near Ecosystem for the last five years. I, I run this uh, nonprofit called the Blockchain Acceleration Foundation, and we have about like you know 1,600 members, 80% of them developers, all interested in Web3. Uh, you know, I have a ton of awesome information about them, like interested in what their protocols they want to work for, all this other stuff. Um, it's a really hard thing. No one's really cracked this nut yet. We've placed about 40 people at jobs in the last like year and a half or so. But we don't, uh, it's very manual. It's not, it's, it, it literally is me going through like a database and be like, oh, I think of this company that is hiring and you seem like a good person for it. And I just like make connections. We make no money out of this, by the way. Um, it's like, this is all nonprofit. And so uh, the, the reason why I'm saying this is because there are teams that are in- interested in this, but it's really, really hard to scale. Um, without really incredibly smart people. Like there's this book, it's called uh, Who Gets What and Why by Alvin Roth. He's a Nobel Prize winner for creating the uh, mechanism for determining who should get which organs when like organ donation happens. Like he won the Nobel Prize for this shit. Like he's a, 
essentially design thinking, not design thinking, um, mechanism design, like architect. And we need somebody with that level of knowledge for mechanism design to build out a human AMM where opportunity comes in, connects them to, you know, other people who, who, who have the skills and interests for that opportunity. And we've seen ZipRecruiter, we've seen these other things kind of play in and play out, but um, nothing Web3 specific. And there's also a huge privacy concern here. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're just not ready yet. I think it's just getting the right people involved. Unless we can find a Nobel Prize winner, right? But it shouldn't be no problem to come yeah. have them come build a near, right? Yeah, I mean, like, they do, they do get contracted. It's just about coordinating. I mean, like, that's really what it is. And, like, getting them to see the vision. Like, this guy might even do it for free if he sees the, if he sees the potential impact. True. That's true. Um, okay, guys, we've been going on for 50 minutes now. It was a lot of good conversations between Michael and Cam and Cam explaining about the different stuff going on in Banyan and in general about the ecosystem. So if anyone want to ask Cameron any uh, final questions before we sort of um, close this off, please raise your hands and I will bring you to the stage. Unless Cameron, you, yeah. And if, 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 and if no one does raise their hand, please Cameron, you can go ahead and, uh, rant for five more minutes, but let's just yeah. give it a, a, a minute or two more. Actually, I have a question, Cameron. Yep. So something now I've been in Europe and seeing how you guys are doing in, in the US with the hackathons and stuff. How do you get started doing a hackathon? Let's say, you know, you have a good idea of how it's going to get executed. Um, you have the people that can help you out do it, but you're either missing the funds, you're missing partners, but yeah. you want to make it happen, right? Like, how do we spread this hackathon IRL vibe to other parts of the world? It's a great question. Um, I'm, I don't have the full answer. I'm, I'm, it's a lot of experimentation. Like, we're trying to crack that nut. Um, one, it starts with an anchor partner, like having the Near Foundation be supportive of. So I was put on a three-month testing period for Banyan, by the way. Uh, that testing period ended two days ago. Um, and so I need to, we're kind of recapping everything that the value that we've brought and really thinking through like what the next year, two years looks like. And absolutely, we plan to expand to other other regions, but as I mentioned, like I would much prefer those people on the ground. Like we create a, a system where they can grow themselves. Like Cameron Dennis is not the best person to expand your education in Bangladesh. Like I've never been to Bangladesh. I know nothing about Bangladesh. So, you know, how do we create the systems to empower them? Um, and so really what I think our place in this, this, this ecosystem is, is about, you know, aligning incentives with not just the foundation, but the greater ecosystem partners, because near is really just the smart contracting layer. It's just the, the accounts, transactions, you know, pro, like smart contracts. Um, really what we need is like to work with Filecoin around storage and Infura for centralized RPC or pocket network for decentralized RPC for the graph for decentralized indexing, Pagoda for centralized indexing. Like you see what I'm getting at. It's like the entire ecosystem. Bitco for custody, um, OtterSec for uh, security audits, Salborn for security audits. Like we need the ecosystem. 
Now, I also recognize that not everyone knows all these people. So I think Banyan's position here is really to unite these right players, create a model for uh, ideally funding other funding other initiatives around the world um, with them actually the ones executing. And we're really just looking to track metrics. Um, now that's, that's a bigger vision and the foundation should be doing this as well. And they are doing this. It's just really, really hard to scale. And from the foundation's perspective, it's just uh, near at that point. And that's not as compelling for people who are looking just to, you know, uh, we're looking for institutional custodian partners or other VCs. So like, how do we make it much more bottom up? And so that is where I think Banyan can help sort of drive that network and kind of open source that network to other people in other places so they can, uh, you know, do cool shit in their region. Now we're also going to be very, very harsh and, and straightforward around like the amounts of money, because all too often in this space, you know, people request money that they don't need and they pocket it. Um, and so we need to have very robust mechanisms of preventing that. So um, really, I think it's just about like getting plugged into like the network that has the ability to fund events and fund that bottom up growth. And you would say, well, the foundation can, well, it shouldn't just be about the foundation. Like it should be also about Filecoin and about consensus and the people who are building the infrastructure around us. Then also highlighting the founders and the builders in those regions. So like a lot of times in New York during our weekly meetups, like we would just bring in people who are building near applications in New York, give them that platform to, to connect with the community, to teach about what they're doing. Like this is, this is the way um, it's about that. It's about building the, the actual ecosystem, not making it all about near near is just the smart contracting layer. And I think people need to get clear with that. I a hundred percent agree with that. Like a lot of the, a lot of the um, expectations seem to be put on the people who built the infrastructure and the protocol itself. Right. Whereas it's simply just a tool to build really cool shit. Right. We should, we need to focus on that bottom up approach uh, and have people deploy really cool stuff on, on the on the protocol, right? And that leads me also to the last question. I think, for from my own point of view, I would love to see also more people experimenting with some of the, how do you say, like now we have the smart contract, like the wallet, like people are experimenting with the cutting edge tech, right? But also Kilimero, you know, what is it capable of? What kind of stuff can you do with it? Like a private shard, it's never been seen before, right? Um, same goes for building out AstroDAO. What can you actually do with Near Protocol's native? Um, DAO fundamentals, etc. Right. So I'm hoping to see much more innovation in that sense going forward, and also seeing hackathons that are really specific. I know you guys are doing a lot about um, wallet standards, right? Um, and it's just you know see what comes out of that. Like all of a sudden you have a project like here wallet just blasting through everything, and I think that's also going to help us reach some of our goals faster, right? Focusing on those verticals where the tech is really strong, really new, really edgy and then have people build on it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But like, we need those things to ship. Like that's, that is step one. Um, and I'm confident they will. And it's about us when you talk about marketing, like let's highlight the wins. Let's highlight like what is actually new about 
private shards? Like, what is what is possible? Would you be able to like you know work with a, a giant credit rating agency to put you know credit scores on chain in a per, in a permissioned private environment that anyone else is able to call in order to get an under collateralized loan? Like, is that even possible? Let's talk about like you know that's to me is is the opening conversation around hey how can we actually like do micro lending at scale? Or you know let's say there's just like all of this like actual innovation that needs to be done. And uh, all too often people in the space just kind of, you know, lay around with their, you know, yeah, lay around. <laughs> like sometimes they can be a little crude um, and I got to stop myself. So um, they, they need to actually think about uh, building shit that people need. Um, and privacy is at the fundamental component of uh, mass adoption because I do not want, all of my transactions on a public immutable ledger. Like that is just stupid. It's so stupid. The amount of, like we thought data mining in like 2012 to 2015 in the U S is bad. Or just like, you know, without before GDPR and stuff, like imagine if it was completely permissionless and on chain, we got big problems. If that's the case, like people will be able to be seriously coerced and we got to watch out. So yeah, I'm super stoked for Calimero. Um, other things is just like, uh, yeah, I want to get more like protocol contributors in, involved. Um, like what I mean by that is like not just Pagoda contributing to protocol development. It needs to be, you know, I, I'm excited to see more of, of like uh, it's composable finance, putting up NEPs for changing standards or like the Tonic team, like shout out to them for making a proposal to like decrease, uh, I think it's like gas costs. Like we need that sort of like contribution from the community. So uh you know, we have minority programmers up here. Uh, they're doing an incredible job with uh, with our builder groups. So if you're a wallet builder, you know, you can meet with a bunch of other wallet builders to to identify the missing standards and identify what's, what's, what's actually needed to facilitate the seamless onboarding for Web 2 to Web 3. Or NFT builders or DAO builders or DeFi builders. It's about building that community. And then uh, bring them in person, like have them stay in a house together if they actually ship, you know, stuff. So this is, uh, we're getting there. It's just going to take some time. Agreed. And with those closing remarks, Cameron, I want to say thank you for coming on. I want to say thank you to Osimandias as well. Um, we're going to continue doing these community calls and in general, just talking more about what we feel is going on in the ecosystem, be very open about it uh, and help everyone get in the bullish mode again right it's probably going to take some time but now is the time to stick around now is the time to partner up with people you enjoy working with and now is the time to get building right so thank you for coming everyone and thank you cameron um always a pleasure to have you yep thanks for having me bye everyone yep